Hello everyone, jumping in from the present day, uh, we just have a quick announcement to make before our fabulous guest episode, which you're about to listen to. We are bringing back the listener submitted song playlist. So we have three prompts for you to submit to us, either by texting one of us or emailing us or DMing us on the Instagram podcast. The three prompts are current song, song from your birth year and a little-known song from your favorite artist. So again, that's your current obsession, a song from your year, and a little-known song from your favorite artist. Get those into us. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Enjoy, enjoy the, the episode. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Anyways Back to the Godfather and another HPBC-themed episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we have our returning guests, from HPBC, which are Sarah and Emma. And uh, if you haven't listened to their first episode, you should definitely go back and give that a listen. Likely was about six months ago, so you know. You're gonna have to dig deep into the archives, but it's gonna be good. Give us an update on your lives. (laughs) This is ironic because we are, like, literally recording them back to back, but... Just want to remind everyone that HPBC stands for Harry Potter Book Club. There you go, that's your update. We'll just go ahead and jump right into the set questions for this time around. And hopefully you can't hear Georgia, but if you can, it's just a nice (laughs) background noise. (laughs) Our set questions, we're going to each say what our seven horcruxes would be if we suddenly had an urge to be evil and kill at least seven people. So, we'll start with Sarah. Okay. Um, I just said that I do important books in my life, and I'd go to, not random libraries around the world, but libraries that are in places that are significant to me, Mm. and find one of my favorite books in there, and make that a horcrux, however you do that. (laughs) Very nice. Besides killing people. (laughs) Do you have specific examples, or that's just your general? Um, it's just my general idea, but, uh, I would have to pick one singular Harry Potter book. <laughs> Excellent. And that would, would be... be a difficult choice. Oh, you don't know what it would be. <laughs> Probably Goblet of Fire. Interesting. Okay. You could just do all seven Horcruxes as all seven as Harry, all Potter Harry Potters. I could. could. Then she wouldn't be able to do Bleak House. That's true. I wouldn't be able to do Bleak House. Unacceptable. Or The Hobbit. Or The Ten Thousand Doors of January. Or The Hobbit. Ugh. <laughs> there are so many options! That's th- I wrote down, what did I write? I wrote, good luck finding every book that's ever been important to me in all these different libraries and figuring out which is the horcrux. Oh my gosh. You know what? Good point. <laughs> She's like, I don't want to share in case I need to make horcruxes someday. <laughs> and you'll know which ones. It has been recorded. <laughs> okay, so I did think of three objects. <laughs> And then the rest I just thought of places that I would maybe just do like a a little rock or something Mm -hmm. and leave it there. Um, But my objects are the GameCube memory card for my very first Animal Crossing game. Amazing. Oh my gosh. And, oh, it was only two objects. One of my stuffed animals, I was thinking possibly one, a dog named Carl that I won. What a good name! That seems like the title of a book that Sarah would pick for her. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, 
I won, oh no, someone won it for me, I think, at Six Flags Marine World. And he looked exactly like a dog from a picture book series that I loved named Carl. Oh, it is a book. <laughs> it is a book, but I think it's not called A Dog Named Carl, it's just called Carl. But he's very special to me. And then the places. I would leave a little rock or something at the E.T. ride at Universal. Amazing. And the playground at Oceanview Elementary School in Albany, California. Um, a random bus, Pesera, in Reynosa, Mexico, whichever one I got on first. I would throw one onto the field on my grandpa's farm, and then one at the aquarium. Oh, yes. Wow, there's no destroying you. <laughs> it's very crafty of you. I am immortal. And, like, I don't know if that's how horcruxes work because, like, I, I don't know, maybe Tom Riddle was too sentimental to be, <laughs> to choose, like, a rock and throw it yeah. somewhere, but... That's why Tom and I are the same person. <laughs> As the Enneagram once stated. <laughs> oh, it did? Yep. Interesting. Yeah, I my caveat with all this was I said if I was being flashy and making it all about me rather than being smart about it. Because <laughs> um, like, if I was being smart, it would be like a single grain of sand <laughs> yes. on this beach. Um, but alas, that's not as fun. And I did not choose locations to put them, but some of them already have locations. So we've been well. First of all, we've been driving around in the car on our like family's car this mall. Um, Rachel and Lauren have been visiting in Oregon um, that we got in 2005 and it's taken on a lot of wear and tear um, but I, I have spent a lot of time in that car and it's virtually indestructible already so <laughs> I was like Ronda the Honda could be a good horcrux um, and then I was trying to think of like meaningful items of clothing but my style changes all the time um and then also I love Harry Styles and so I was thinking about like oh what about his you know, things that he has but then I was like I don't want it to affect him <laughs> I want it to be separate from him I don't want it to him to be like grumpy because of that or or possessed possessed by you. or anything <laughs> um but he does have he does have a few clothing items that are in museums now and one is this like kind of really colorful like patchwork cardigan um from jw anderson and it's in a museum now and it created this whole like tiktok craze people have made a bunch of them but the original jw anderson cardigan because it's behind glass mm, museum protected museum protected and curated it could be a good one yeah um as far as things that i actually own i also have um a, a few copies of Harry's Vogue cover from December 2020 so those ones are probably like my most prized Harry possessions but and then I also thought about my dog we were joking about my dog being a core crux but like she's just moody enough and codependent enough already <laughs> that she would be a good core crux pet like um Tom Riddle has and and then I also I'm not sure which one but like one of my like collage notebooks or poetry notebooks like some random because I like the idea of the notebook um with in Chamber of Secrets the, the, the journal um diary that's what they call it <laughs> <laughs> um and I like I like that I think there's significance in that and then probably um 
probably my noise canceling headphones close to my heart with me always. <laughs> and then also I was like weirdly like maybe like a single one of my hairs I shed everywhere. <laughs> but I was like my entire head of hair it would be with me all the time and it might get cumbersome to have it be a horcrux. <laughs> like the way that I'm just casting aside hairs all the time everywhere I go. A single hair. Amazing. It also raises questions like if you did make all of your hair a horcrux, would you be able to cut it? Like, can yeah. you? Yeah, I don't know. Like, damage on a horcrux? Would without... it grow? Yeah. Or would it just stay the same length? Um, I also went that route, not the clever how do I live forever route, but <clears throat> I mean, that's not unexpected. Picked my Lucy blanket, uh, Voltaire quill that I got from Paris, a plastic Halloween skeleton from my childhood, family piano. Yellow swing, which I actually don't know where that is. Rest in peace. So I don't know how I'm gonna turn that into horror. If you don't know where it is, then somebody else won't be able to find it. <laughs> True. <So. laughs> um, and then, did you guys ever play with tech decks when you were little? There was like this black market tech deck ring at my elementary school. Every indoor recess, it was like intense trading. Mm. And there's this one that I wanted so badly, and he was like a pretty. I don't want to say punk kid because he's in elementary school but like <laughs> he was like too cool for me and he knew I really wanted this one that had a barcode on it and he like gave it to me and it was I was this moment where I was like oh he's so nice <laughs> I still have it to this day because it's so meaningful so my barcode tech deck and then my first Funko Pop which I won't say in case I ever have to make it into a horcrux <laughs> there's some element of mystery but I thought it interesting I made this list like pretty succinctly and uh, if you didn't know what they were, you'd probably go after something Disney or something to do with movies or a notebook that I have or something to do with GMM. So it's just interesting. I'm, Even though it was specific to who I am, I feel like I'm still throwing people off the scent. You can keep telling yourself that. <laughs> <laughs> Are you surprised I didn't pick anything Disney, though? I am. I no, mean, I am. That's kind of a big hit, does too. Like, that eliminates at least half of the Funko Pops. So. Oh, my God. <laughs> And you said not movie related, so <laughs> who yeah. would it be? <laughs> Rough. <laughs> we have to do our 30 second question. We're picking up where we left off. This is so stressful. I know. <laughs> I always say the wrong answers. No, it's good. Sit. Go. History of magic or divination? History of magic. Favorite professor? Uh, professor Trelawney. <laughs> Magical creature you want to own? Festral. Triwizard task you choose? first. Harry's best year of school. Third. Favorite class? Um, potions. Hogsmeade versus Diagonale. Hogsmeade. Quidditch position? <laughs> In the stands. <laughs> Ministry job? Um, muggle, management, whatever that's called. Alter ego slash role model? Sirius Black. Grindelwald versus Voldemort? Grindelwald. Holiday you would want to experience at Hogwarts? Christmas. School pet? Ooh, cat. Favorite horcrux? <laughs> I hate this. <laughs> I hate this game. Um, <laughs> none of the answers I've said are ones that I want. I know. Not, not a single one is correct. You said your favorite professor was Professor Trelawney. I know, and I don't like cats. <laughs> I just the worst thing I can think of because I don't know what to say. Okay, my favorite horcrux, um, Harry. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, Emma, if it makes you feel any better, uh, in my episode, I panicked when they said uh, favorite holiday that isn't Christmas, and I said Thanksgiving. <laughs> and I was like, who like, am I? It's not my favorite holiday. <laughs> who am I? Like, oh my like I don't want to. Like, 
All right, so literally Sarah. my least favorite holiday. You ready? Yes. <laughs> ready. Shit. Go. Magical creature you want to own. Dragon. Who would poly- who would you polyjuice potion into? Uh, heck. Minerva McGonagall. Wizarding World treat. Chocolate frogs. Favorite class. Mm, charms. Hogspeed versus Diagon Alley. Diagon Alley. Patronus memory. Uh, hanging out with my cousin at her house. Frog choir or Gobstones Club. Gobstones Club. Best HP villain. Uh, Rita Skeeter. No, Tom Riddle. Overmorning House. Uh, Thunderbird. History of magic or divination. History of magic. Holiday you want to experience at Hogwarts. Not Thanksgiving. Quidditch. <laughs> Quidditch position. Uh, chaser. Favorite professor. Ravenslupin. Mm, you did it! Those are all the questions! Oh! <laughs> Amazing. What an achievement! <laughs> Truly. Right, this time right I'll figure out some sort of celebration sound to go in there. All right, we're moving into the main topic of the episode, which is page to screen HP edition. Um... And I just, I said this at the beginning of Emma's episode when we did general page to screen, but I will reiterate uh, that movies are not inherently bad if they're not direct copies. They are two different mediums, books and movies, that are telling different stories. And movies can expand upon a text and interpretation through both actors, directorial, like cinematography, lighting, music. There's a lot that is exciting and can happen there. Um, and that movies and books are going to be different because they're different mediums and that things have to be cut off because, uh, or cut out rather, because cinematically they're not going to make sense. Like, I am such a strong proponent of the Rebus Tonks relationship and I know yes. the movies are about Harry and so therefore it makes sense why that is cut. Um, and... Is that an opinion you're willing to fight for? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm <laughs> saying like, I wish that they were in the movies, but I understand why they're not. Because. I wish they had cut that one line, which was like, hey, hey, Remus and I are, and then they never find out that she was pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like that was kind of just like a nod for the, the book fans and Fair. unimportant for only movie fans. But <laughs> but yeah, I think, um, so in this, we are going to recognize a different, that, or I would implore us to recognize that difference between film and book and give a bit more credence to the films because, or specifically the Harry Potter films, because I think, yes, they failed in a lot of ways, but largely they succeeded. I think there's a lot of fandoms that have film recreations and they're like, there's nothing believable about them. And I think like the Harry Potter films are actually very enjoyable and bring a lot to the fandom. So yeah, we're going to talk about how they succeeded and what was too egregious for us to let lie. So our first category is how did the movies do it better or captured it well? Because some people are arguing that there's nothing that they could do better. But <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> I just wrote in all caps for my first one, soundtracks. Because the soundtracks are absolutely incredible. Um, John Williams did it very, very well, the first two movies. And then, let's see if I can name the rest of them. Patrick Doyle. And I've already forgotten the rest. Alexander, Alexander and Nicholas Hooper. Mm -hmm. All so, so good and just captured the spirit of Harry Potter so well, I think. And that we did an HPVC challenge one time where we picked, like, Rachel made up a list of things that, like, that were... um, They were, like, favorite Christmas, favorite spooky, favorite... 
whimsical or one that wants that you want to cry to things like that a song that speaks to your soul or represents, okay. represents your soul. yeah yeah i found it uh favorite spooky song favorite fun song favorite song movies one through four favorite song movies five through seven Oh, 5-7.2, excuse me. <laughs> um, favorite intense slash action song, favorite Christmas song, and song that is my soul. And I stewed over those for such a long oh time. Oh my gosh. It was so good and so enjoyable. Okay, this might be a hot topic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I like that the movies took out peeves. Mm, mm-hmm. I think, I don't know. And I... Would have to reread a book, the books, because uh, I've kind of forgotten like a lot of good Peeves moments. But uh, Peeves was really annoying, <laughs> 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 and this made everybody's lives harder. And yes. So uh, I, it's kind of nice to watch the movies and be like, oh, it's so calm. Like, they don't have to worry about like getting stopped <laughs> in the hallway, yeah, right? Peeves or getting here. ink dumped on them. <laughs> So it nice. would add considerable runtime, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he's not... He is just basically there for, like, comedic effect, and so that's why they took him out. But it, it is kind of nice to have that version without peeps. <laughs> <laughs> I I agree. And and also, like, when I'm thinking about it, I'm like, that could have been really funny if they got exactly the right person, but, like, yeah. it could have so easily turned dumb. So I, I don't know if it was, like, a worthwhile risk. Mm-hmm. The writing would have to be right on, and the timing, mm-hmm. perfect, yeah. Thankful that the movies didn't make us hate peeves in a, in a he's super annoying or they didn't yeah. do it well kind of way, because mm-hmm. I don't think anybody likes peeves or would enjoy having peeves around, but... I'm sure in the book, if they had the option to not have him around or cut him from <laughs> the narrative, they would have. <laughs> right. I feel like the only two times that peeves is actually, like, a hero or... Very enjoyable is when Lupin wassies the gum into his, or is it chalk? It, yeah. it is gum, right? It's gum. Into his nose, and when Fred and George leave. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, good times, but... And I like the song that he <laughs> makes up necessary. after Voldemort is defeated. <laughs> I don't know that one well enough. <laughs> he just calls him Voldy Moldy, and oh. that really was hilarious to me when I was a little bit. Oh, gosh, amazing. <laughs> I also have some things that got skipped that I think were good to get skipped, mm. but... I'm kind of just going to blend them into one, but I don't really have much of an explanation for them, so be quick. Um, the first is that house points getting kind of swept under the rug after Sorcerer's Stone, I don't think that was necessary to continue with. Mm-hmm. They don't They don't even continue it super far into the other books. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, after the first movie, I don't think it's relevant. Also, the Hogwarts song in book four and the Sorting Hat song, I think we, we easily... Oh my gosh! <laughs> I think it's okay to do without them. I mean, deleted scene, right? Hogwarts, Hogwarts, Hoggy-Woddy, Hogwarts. <laughs> no, it was it's so cringy. Even reading it, I know that that's beloved to many in this group, but even reading it, I get, like, bad chills. I feel so embarrassed for all of them. Oh, my gosh. That's it? Yeah. Oh, wow. The way well, I mean, I had another good thing it get skipped, which was SPEW, but... Oh, controversial. I think that was fine to skip. Again, like, for the plot, probably yeah. you're right. Yeah, Is especially because Winky wasn't even included, so yeah. it wouldn't have made sense at all. I said the troll in the dungeon scene. In the books, correct me, Sarah, um, doesn't Quirrell just kind of, like, run up and whisper in Dumbledore's ear, but kind of, like, loudly enough for everyone to hear? Pretty sure he just, it's, like, a I much... I think he does pass out, though. But It's, like, a much less dramatic, and the, tr- 
like Quirrell bursting into the Great Hall and yelling Troll in the Dungeon and fainting straight away is so iconic. And everyone's like, screaming. Everyone panicking and screaming. Like, well done movie. I think that's a much better way than how the books portrayed it. So, And also, it does raise more of like, is Quirrell who he says he is? And like, I don't know, like, why is he panicking so much if he's defense against the dark arts? And like, why... If he's the one who put the troll in, I don't know. It's just like it does a little bit better job of being like Quirrell is suspect <laughs> if you're paying attention. So or like if you're tracing it back through, you're like, hmm. So I agree. It's so it's so funny. It's so iconic, and and what's that, that actor's name? I don't even know. I don't know who it is, but like the way that his voice cracks and in everything. The like, so so good. Such a fan. All right. I hate to think of you listening to that part over again when you're editing the podcast. Oh <laughs> and I just tried to do that. The actor's name is Ian Hart. Ian, Ian Hart. Hart. Well, well we done were, him. Truly. <laughs> when I was watching it, I was like, I wonder what other films he's in, because he's not one that I like stumble upon. You know how you like mm-hmm. are watching something and you're like, Harry Potter character. <laughs> yes. I think the scene at the zoo, uh, Dudley getting shut behind the glass is excellent yes, and so agreed. much more revengey than just getting a little wet yes. and having the snakes slither past him. Totally agree. I feel like whenever I'm reading the book, I'm so excited for the moment when he gets stuck mm-hmm. behind the glass and I'm like, oh yeah, that doesn't happen in the book. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so of course we miss the adios because in the movie the snake is from Burma instead of from Brazil, mm-hmm. but worth it to see Dudley Truly. And like the way that... Aunt Petunia reacts. She yes, so she's gold. so good. What's her name? Fiona Shaw. Yes. Well done, her. <laughs> she's such an icon. She is. Oh my <laughs> word. They could not have cast someone better. Truly. Ugh. Okay, I said the Polyjuice Potion scene. We just rewatched it last night. Mm-hmm. Um, when Harry and Ron become Crab and Goyle. And <laughs> I just love when Malfoy says, didn't know you could read. <laughs> Just that addition from Tom Felton is golden. And I think they did translate the Polyjuice Potion pretty well. Like, it's different. Like, their voices are still their own voices, but that makes sense for the movies so that you can distinguish who's in Polyjuice Potion. Um, I mentioned, and this isn't so much, um, it, the movie did it better. It's more of a captured it well or made the right choices. Um, of, like, in Goblet of Fire, the maze whole sequence. Like, that was very, very complex in the movie, and there were a lot of different tasks. Um, but I feel like the movie cut the right things and kept the right tasks in there. It, it couldn't have taken up... If they did the full task, it could, could have really been its own feature-length film. Um, <laughs> and also capturing, without necessarily very much going on because they didn't really have time for it. They still managed to capture like the spookiness of the maze and how it, you know, cuts off and you can't hear the, um, the band anymore. Not the band. Yeah. Yeah. It's a band. Hogwarts band. Yeah. <laughs> Hogwarts band anymore. Um, yeah. The yeah. mist. And like when Fleur gets like rolled up into the, like that's yes. so spooky. So spooky. Yes. They did a very good interpretation. I always feel so bad for Floor when she's, like, having a panic attack. It gives me so much yeah, anxiety. poor thing. <laughs> um, okay, the next one I said is the Hogwarts reveal. Um, and not that it's necessarily bad in the book. I think it's, like, very fun to read in the book. Very magical. But the screen captures it so well and elevates it in a way that, like, the book 
just cannot. And again, that's kind of going back to what I was saying earlier, like it's a different medium and so it's able to handle it in a different way. But like when they're on the little boats and it pans up and you see the castle and you have John Williams score underlying it, like mm, it's so good and so magical. And if you watch that and you don't have a, an emotional reaction, you're you probably, dead inside. <laughs> you probably don't like Harry Potter. <laughs> I'm gonna say that the movies captured Hermione being tortured by Bellatrix very well. Mm-hmm. Minus the non-reactive Ron. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because I think that would have added so much more depth uh, is Ron's very emotional reaction. You know, he's, he's banging on the walls and he's shouting Hermione's name. But this is supposed to be about what the movie did better. Sorry. Um, you get a little bit of insight into maybe why Hermione was singled out by Bellatrix. She knew that Hermione was a muggle-born, and the book doesn't say anything about her, like, carving mud blood into her arm, but it felt like a thing that Bellatrix would do that's just so cruel and so terrible. Um, and it's just, it's such an intense scene. Behind the scenes, um, Helena Bonham Carter and Emma Watson... Uh, I guess the scene was originally a lot lengthier, and most of it was cut to re- to avoid an R rating in the U.S. and whatever the equivalent rating is in the U.K. Um, and Helena Bonham Carter was concerned about her relationship with Emma after oh that, so she approached her and she's like, "Are we okay? Like, <laughs> are you good? <laughs> Wait, are we good? Is this a bit you're doing?" <laughs> Gotta quote it whenever I can. <laughs> I yeah, I, I like that scene too. I, I do wish that they I know I've heard about the rating um situation, but I do sometimes I do wish that it had been longer, not because I love watching Hermione get tortured, but just because <laughs> sometimes when I'm watching with people who haven't read the books, I'm like, This was like a long yeah. ordeal. Like this is more than uh three minutes of you know. It just seems, sometimes I feel like the intensity gets ratcheted up so quickly, people aren't realizing how long that torturing went on. Yeah. The only other thing I wrote was Madame Hooch. (laughs) 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 When we watched this together after we read the books for the first time, we noticed that when Neville falls after he's in the flying class, Madame Hooch goes up to him and, like, lays down next to him. And <laughs> like, oh, no, 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 no. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, oh, oh. And we just thought that was hilarious. And so the movie did a good job of making Madame Hooch very loving. <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't think she was Crossing at all. Crossing lines. No, at all. <laughs> Mine is another, like, good interpretation where... Yeah, kind of similar to Rachel's, where there can be a lot of descriptions in the book, but then seeing it in real life. And also, there were some pretty um, high expectations for it, because the book describes it a very particular way, but I feel like it lived up to it, is the Chamber of Secrets mm-hmm. and the Basilisk. Um, even though it was even though it was obviously the second film, so the special effects weren't like quite as pristine as they were by film seven, but... Like, just the whole, all the snakes everywhere, and that kind of long passageway, and the lighting, and all, I think they did that very well, and visually, it makes a lot of sense, and lives up to a book description. It is a beautiful set. Yeah. This one might be controversial, I don't know how people feel about this, but I love how 
they handle time travel in the third movie. Like, I love that there are more clues to time travel and that there are things that, like, already exist. It, like, goes a step further than how the book does it. Um, And I think it's because, like, I love the idea of time travel, but I'm very particular about how it's handled, like, because of Doctor Who. (laughs) (laughs) But there are just, like, certain rules in time travel that I think you have to follow in order for for it to be well executed that I think that a lot of uh, different, uh, I don't know, movies or stories try to use and it's like mm, but if you go back in time and change what happened then who is going to go back in time to change what happened <laughs> type thing so I just I appreciate I feel like they follow all those rules and like have a really fun time playing around with it we are now going to have our first uh, sponsor story from Lauren and Emma this episode is sponsored by Pitbull <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh yes <laughs> Yes. You can describe it. I'll set the scene for you. <laughs> I have this fantasy in mind. I am not a video editor, nor yeah, nor do I do this kind of thing, but I would like to learn just so I can make this a reality. I love the scene when they're in the tent and goblet of fire and Barty Crouch Sr. is pulling out, like, or holding out the bag with the dragons for the Triwizard tournaments to pull out of. And then... <laughs> Eventually, they, they get to it and he says, Chinese fireball. <laughs> so he says fireball. And that I we also love Pitbull, Lauren and I. So, as most should know, that's a Pitbull song, Fireball. <laughs> and so I have this fantasy of um, there being a sequence in that tent, but like to the song of Fireball. <laughs> It where is, it's, it's like so it was like everybody standing around, and then it's like fireball, and then it's, it's he's pulling out the dragon, and then they're all like dancing around, and then it's like we're taking it, we're taking it, we're taking it down. But then that's Rita taking down the detail, and then like, oh. so good. And then in a little bit more of a stretch, it's like and then it says we're bringing it, we're bringing it, we're bringing it back. Which Voldemort also comes back in that movie, mm-hmm. so that could be him rising from that cauldron when he's like that eaters. weird little like milky oh baby. <laughs> <laughs> and then the Death Eaters in the tent too, yeah, dancing <laughs> in their hoods. Like, yeah, this is it. Doesn't even have to be written. Like everything is already so it's amazingly perfect. in place. It's just yeah. Now every time I hear Barty Crouch, and now and. Maybe you could even edit his voice a little bit so it sounds like it's singing it. Oh like, my gosh. I don't know. Yeah. Chinese fireball. Oh, it's so good. And it's true. Emma introduced me to that song, and now anytime I hear it, I always just picture this amazing edit that will happen someday. <laughs> Barty Crouch to. raising his hand. With the, with the fireball dragon on it and being like, <laughs> fireball. <laughs> like it's big it young Simba. So viral. It will be so amazing. <laughs> Alright, we are going to move on to our next category, which is how the books did it better where the movie failed. Um, I have to kind of quash the 11-year-old Sarah voice in my head that says, the movies didn't do anything better. Oh, <laughs> gosh. <laughs> um... Probably my number one, and this is already, I'm already nervous to say this, uh, 
But in the Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, I think the Crouches are so not okay. <laughs> it's okay. You can, I will speak for them later, so you can go ahead and say whatever you want. Um, I, I just, it upsets me uh, that that whole storyline, which is very intricate and very involved and very dark, that's why, I feel like that's part of the reason why there's a shift from books one through three to books four through seven. Because um, Barty Crouch was like 19. And, I mean, and we can get into ages being a thing. Like, Lily and James were 20 or 21 when they mm-hmm. died. And in the movies, they're like 40. Yeah, that bothers me. <laughs> it bothers me. It so bothers much. me every time. Because <laughs> part of the tragedy of their death is that they were so young. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the tragedy of Barty Crouch's assumed death. Um, and Harry is just so overcome with emotion when he sees this scene of Crouch sending his own son to Azkaban and his poor little wispy wife fainting and things. <laughs> We already talked about how, you know, SPEW probably shouldn't have made it into the movies because it's this whole other storyline that you couldn't adequately capture in the movies, I don't think, especially since Winky is absent. And Winky is a big part of the Brody Crouch storyline, so it makes sense that she wasn't included because that wasn't as big of a thing in the movies as it is in the books. Um, but I think it makes the reveal that Barty Crouch is still alive that much more powerful when you know when you think you know what the story behind that is, and it turns out that it's actually his mother who was, you know, Polyjuice potioned into him who died. That was actually on my list as well, so thank you for bringing it up. Just so you know, I agree. I think that was a very compelling storyline. And in the movie, we don't even... We think he's just still in Azkaban, right? Yeah. We don't even... We there don't isn't even, even that. So the reveal is just that it's him not necessarily like, oh, he's still alive. And so, that yeah. said, we love David Tennant. Yeah. I just don't think this is his best role, and that's not his fault. <laughs> <laughs> I have nothing to say about David Tennant. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, there's, there's an interpretation of it. And I think, I think I'm, fi- I'm fine with the interpretation as well. I like the original story, but it's not the original story. And so for what it is, David Tennant was the right first choice. I think one thing the books did better is Moaning Myrtle. Moaning Myrtle in the movies... Is just super annoying. Uh, I think she's supposed to be right when mm-hmm. Merle, that's part of her character. Although, when we watched it yesterday, I was very entertained by <laughs> the sounds that she was making. <laughs> and then she goes into the toilet and goes, <laughs> I just wish that I could exit everything like that. Oh my gosh. But yeah, the other thing I think Sarah mentioned yesterday is when. In the fourth book, when she is so weird and sexual to Harry in the movie, I think in the book it's toned down quite a lot. Mm -hmm. And in the movie it's like, why is this necessary? (laughs) This is a children's movie. Yeah. Yeah, and in the book she makes, like, Harry makes sure that she isn't watching when he, like, undresses to get in the bath and stuff. And she's not, like, hinting that she wants a peek or anything. It's... I mean, I think she does, like, mention something about Cedric, but... Yeah. Who wouldn't? <laughs> That's acceptable. <laughs> like, it's not like there isn't anything, but yeah, I think it goes a step further. Mine, uh, kind of twofold, but the depth of the Marauder's relationship, um, mm. and some of kind of more of that background, I know we mostly just get flashbacks, but also 
kind of other people's opinions of it. They weren't just friends. It was like this tightly knit thing. Um, yeah, I, I'm always surprised reading the third book of how like deeply I feel about the Marauders, like mm -hmm. the depth of feeling that I have. Um, so yeah, I wish that somehow they'd been able to capture that a little better and also kind of the betrayal element. Um, because it, yeah, it doesn't seem that intense <laughs> when you're watching the movie. You're like, oh, cool. <laughs> Except for Sirius is, I would have died. I would have died rather than betray my friends. Which is another line that I'm like, should have been in the books. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. Yes. So yeah, beyond that, like they're acting it as it happened in the books, but then a lot of that background information isn't there. I'm, I'm not remembering, like, exact points that I'm like, I wish that had been captured. It was more mm -hmm. just the general vibe of the group. Um, and then along with that, I wish, um, and this would have been in a separate movie that, or, yeah, separate movie than Prisoner of Azkaban, but Regulus Black, I feel like his whole kind of unfortunate adolescence and, like, involvement with the Death Eaters and then getting freaked out and, I don't know, it seems like a very tragically heroic thing. That he did, and also his character is very compelling, and his differences and similarities to Sirius. Um, so, and it, yeah, it does it does kind of not get touched on too much. Yeah, sweet. All right, mine has already been referenced. Uh, is Ron in the Malfoy Manor basement, and this is something that I'm like sometimes if I, if I have a kind of as I said at the top, like oh I wish this could have been added or this feels like, an important plot line or something, like, I can understand, like, the focus of the movie is about Harry and his journey and his thing, and we don't have the ability to, like, the movie's already pretty lengthy, and we don't yeah. have the ability to put in every storyline, even though they feel as important, and they are in the books, but you just can't do it in a movie. But this is, like, something that would not change the runtime <laughs> to have Ron feel like he is more desperate and cares yes. much more, and I think, like, I feel like the early movies, or at least when we were watching them yesterday, it was like, oh, they, like, do a good job of hinting at Ron and Hermione's relationship mm -hmm. in a way that I kind of feel like I miss in the books a little bit. Like, I think it's there, but it's, like, a little bit more obvious on screen. And, like, in the books, sometimes it feels like it comes a little bit out of left field, but mm -hmm. I think in the books, for wow, Ron, like, loves her so much, and, like, you feel that and how it's so traumatic for him as well and the movies it like just doesn't get to that level of emotional resilience so I don't know if that was like director's call or like Rupert just didn't quite get there but yeah. that was something that was is always like <laughs> yeah I mean and I already said it he he's banging on the walls he's screaming he's crying too right, like right. such a show of emotion and <laughs> to the degree where I feel like in the book Harry is like also so distraught but also a little bit like whoa <laughs> like Ron is like really having an <laughs> yeah, emotion yeah. like do we need to talk about yeah. <laughs> no, and I've seen this level of emotion yeah. from my best friend <laughs> and after Ron leaves you know you see that show of, not quite the same show of emotion from Hermione because she tries to keep it on the down low for yeah. Harry's sake I think but she's crying all the time. She doesn't really talk to Harry. Right. She's just devastated. Yeah. And, uh, my heart! <laughs> <laughs> Alright, round two. Round two. Sassy Harry. Oh my gosh. Harry is just not as funny in the movies at all. I don't think any of them are, because they, like, especially, like, the trio, they all have such excellent one-liners, and those don't really come around. Mm -hmm. yeah. Except for... 
just because you have the emotional range of a teaspoon. <laughs> like, that's the only one I can think of off the top of my head. Um, there's no need to call me Sir Professor. Which, <laughs> I, is that in the movie? I don't mm-hmm. think so. I don't no. think it is. But for some reason, I have it. Um, also, wow, wonder what it'd be like to have a difficult life. <laughs> <laughs> um, and this one, I think, needs a little bit more context, but... Uh, This is when, I guess, Harry's kind of been lectured about running into things without thinking. You know, like, going on rescue missions and just, like, oh, I have to act now and not really thinking before he acts. And Harry's very bitter about this, and he said, you'd think I'd walk around with my eyes shut banging off the walls. (laughs) (laughs) And Lauren quoted this one the other day, but this is night, Diddykins. That's what we call it when it goes all dark like this. (laughs) I wonder... It would be interesting to talk to, like, Chris Columbus, the director of the first two movies, and see, like, was the intention to keep it PG and make a movie for kids? Like, was Harry Potter seen as more of a children's thing than, like, because now I feel like it's such a a range, like, kids love it, but also adults love it so much Mm -hmm. that, like, if this was ever remade, would they try and stay more true to the characters? Because sometimes I wonder when they're making children's movies, it's like, our protagonist can do some things and can't do some things like mm-hmm. they can't talk back to adults to or they can't figures. and I don't this is just me speculating but I'm like I wonder if they had been made with like the whole audience in mind if they would have like tried to keep more true to Harry's character instead of just like he needs to be this great protagonist that mm-hmm. kids can look up to you know what I mean but I mean if you want kids to look up to him more I feel like add the humor like, oh I agree I just think that. like movie directors especially in the 2000s for children's movies are like very cautious yeah how do we how do we craft this character to be what we should what we want all children to be i don't think it's a great move i just think like it's interesting yeah yeah that's the motivation um this kind of goes along with that that fred and george uh in the books i think are way better than fred and george in the movies amen um and that's because it's a movie about harry not about fred and george but they're just so funny in the books. Like it, and one thing I was looking at list of differences, and it says they don't in the movie. They don't enchant snowballs to hit the back yes. of Coral's head, aka Voldemort's face. <laughs> um, but yeah, they just take out a lot of Fred and George's jokes and antics. They're kind of just like this, these mystical older brothers in the movies who pop in occasionally. Yeah, and sometimes mm-hmm. they say something kind of clever and like in sync right mm-hmm. that's usually kind of what they do is just say things together and they do that with padma and pravati mm-hmm. too and it drives yeah. me crazy yeah. i'm like why are you just making the twins act Hi, like Harry. they're each one person I feel like, yeah they, they are have to everything good. in together i think along with what we we're already just talking about um jenny is the same way mm-hmm. yes i think the I jenny harry com- relationship com- is a different thing mm-hmm. but her as a character i'm like Everything of substance got yeah, cut. They definitely dropped the ball. Anything that was interesting ever about her. Where sometimes people ask me, like, oh, who's your favorite character? Or, like, oh, you know, who do you want to be like? I'll be like, Ginny. And people who, even people who's just been a long time since they read the books, because mm-hmm. you forget stuff, they'll be like, mm, I don't love, they're like, oh, she's fine. I'm like, yeah. no, I'm like, talking about book Ginny. Book Ginny. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, yeah, and I feel like people who haven't read the books in a while or who just know the movies would probably think that you said that because she has red hair. <laughs> yes, true. Very true. <laughs> like, I promise I have ribbons! <laughs> I um, have that down on my list, too, because Harry and Ginny have such an excellent relationship, and it's just... 
so weird in the movies. Yeah, I agree. Very sloppily. (laughs) Um, Sloppily handed. (laughs) I have talked about this one in possibly just the Google Talk. But, so, Emma already has feelings about it, maybe. But uh, when, in the sixth book movie, they are, like, Ron has been poisoned, and it's this big showdown between Hermione and Lavender at Ron's bed, and the teachers are there to witness it. I'm like, <laughs> literally, you're adults. This is such childish drama. You guys have actual jobs and, like, more important things. Why are you just, like, watching this? It bothers me so much. <laughs> like, we can have that scene, and the not child actors, because they're, like, yeah. the teenage actors, <laughs> do a really good job with it. And, like, I have no complaints about all of that, but why are the teeth like, it bothers me so much every time that the teachers are just, like, yep, we're, we're gonna, we have time for this. We're gonna just sit and watch this drama go down. <laughs> and then when they're, like, ah, oh, young love, I'm, like, no, everything about this is so cringy. I hate it so much. <laughs> I don't think it, like, it needs it, but I'm not bothered by it, especially since I think it's rather realistic. When have teachers ever, like, been like, I don't have time for this childish stuff? No. They're gonna, like, shirk their duties for these, like, moments of drama. And now the more, like, adult well, obviously teachers are adult teachers, but now that I'm an adult and, like, I have people that I talk to who are actually teachers, like, they will make seating charts to, like, ship certain students together. (laughs) Yeah, I like, if they hear that, like, I don't know. Like, they're, for some reason, really invested and I do think it provides a little bit of, like, perspective. I just, I that think... That it seems so drastic, and then they're, they're like, haha. Sure, sure, sure. And it's not that, like, oh, no, adults would never do this. It's just, like, it seems so odd that there's so many teachers in hospital wing. Like, yeah, when does that ever happen? I don't know. Just, like, it's always been a scene that's been very off-putting well she's petrified or not petrified he's been poisoned poisoned. right but in the book like they don't all gather in the i know but like he just got poisoned and they don't know who poisoned him (laughs) they're not there to see ron they're there to like discuss the issue i know i feel like that's a conversation for dumbledore's office not like in the middle of the hospital wing anyway (laughs) i agree mostly with rachel but i do it makes me laugh every time when dumbledore says oh to be young (laughs) and to loves keenstein i hate it so much even when we say it i'm like no it's It's so uncomfortable but it makes me laugh every time i'm just afraid of love obviously (laughs) oh we all (laughs) yes technically the Ginny one wasn't my number two but it can be my number two oh (laughs) <laughs> it was just since we were talking about Weasleys anyway. I see. Go ahead and give your number two. No, it's fine. No, go ahead. Um, okay, I'll be quick. I was going to say, I don't know how they would have done things. I don't have a vision for it, but the clothing in the movies was a little boring because yes. I'm always surprised when I'm reading back over the flashy wizard clothing, especially with Dumbledore and his, like, fancy attire. And then in the movie, he's, like, basically, he has, like, one set of blue-ish robes. That he wears sometimes, but other than that, it's pretty boring, so. And the, we completely just glance over that wizards don't know what muggle fashion is. Yeah. don't understand it. They're just um, wearing regular stuff. Yeah, they're just wearing regular things. And you've missed out on a lot of humor with that. Yeah. Uh, like at the Quidditch World Cup, when uh, that ministry wizard is trying to get Archie to put on some pants. Right. Because he's wearing a flowery nightgown. <laughs> I found it in a muggle shop. Muggles wear them. <laughs> muggle women wear them, Archie. Unless you're Harry. 
styles. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Breaking all the gender norms. We respect it. <laughs> um, I'm gonna say for my next one, Pensieve Memories of Riddle. Because mm. I just think that they were so good and so intense and really showed Riddle's transformation from, like, just him in his school years and not just his transformation physically because that does happen and it's super creepy um to go from seeing normal tom riddle to suddenly like he starts to look more like the voldemort that harry knows with the red eyes and the slit nostrils um but there's so much we miss out on about voldemort's past that doesn't make those reveals more powerful like we don't see the house of gaunt which justice for bob ogden but also bob ogden. we don't learn about voldemort's family history at all we don't mm-hmm. see part like we don't see why he is so so anti-muggle and muggle-born because of his father who was absent we don't see him killing his father and his grandparents on his father's side um, there's just so much evil and it makes it, I don't know, I feel like it undermines Voldemort's authority in the movies. Like, if you haven't read the books, Voldemort is not that scary. And there are so many, and also uh, Hepzibah Smith and Hokey. Oh my gosh, there's just ugh, <laughs> so much detail that I wish that the movies had captured. And I think that the best Tom Riddle actor is in the sixth movie in one of the memories, the one with Professor Slughorn. Um, I think they cast him perfectly, but I don't know. It was just underwhelming and not as specific or meaningful as it needed to be, in my opinion. The other one I have written down is the chess game in the first book Mm. Um, and the first movie. First of all, we discussed this, that Ron gets a horse (laughs) (laughs) and everyone else has to just be their own piece. Maybe that comes with being a knight. I don't know. But, um, I don't know. In the book, also, the pieces are, like, they're more alive. Mm-hmm. In the movie, they're very stationary, and except for when they attack, I guess. But I just love the image of the king, like, throwing down his crown and being so, <laughs> so grumpy, rather than just the sword falling. Da-da-da-da. Yeah, I was <laughs> thinking of the, the, the musical cue, but... <laughs> Um, and it makes more sense why Ron, go on, does he get injured? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because he got, he actually got beat up instead of just falling. Falling and then <laughs> yeah. five feet. When a piece of rubble hits, almost hits his face, he's supposed to be unconscious, but he flinches. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I liked the book's portrayal of it better. Amen. Um, for me, I, I was referencing, at first I had written down a few different relationship pairings, and I'm like, I wish they had just given this, like, a little bit more thought or airtime. But one of those was Bill and Fleur, and I guess now I'm realizing it's more so the character of Fleur. Obviously, it's not about her, but I do feel like the fact that they don't mention that she's part Vila, mm-hmm. um, I think she's very well cast. She's very beautiful, but they didn't make her quite as charismatic. Um... Not charismatic, because in the book she's not necessarily, but she does have an alluring quality that probably would have to be captured in movies by her being uh, very suave. And I, yeah, I don't know. I I think she's a compelling character. Um, 
She almost feels too approachable in the movies. Yeah. yeah. But she's super nice. And yeah. Like, again, so beautiful. So like, beautiful, but you almost forget, like, her, her beauty doesn't feel intimidating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, like, yeah. I, I guess reading over the books, again, I'm, re- I'm remembering how, and I wrote about this in our Google Doc, but how, like, she, I'm so impressed with the way that she knows the power she has over people, but doesn't, like, use it against people or is, like, being really intentional about that. And it can also explain why Ron's, like, a complete basket case in the movie. <laughs> um, yes. So, I don't know. It seems like it could have been, not that I need their whole, well, I would love for their whole relationship to be a spinoff. That's not the first spinoff I would choose, though. <laughs> but, well, I would love for all those details to be there. I think just, like, a little more into her character, if they are going to include her and have her have this effect on people to actually explain why <laughs> and make that believable with not just her being pretty, but also, like, her being just, like, so magnetic, mm-hmm. so, like, yeah, overwhelmingly beautiful. My last one is actually has to do with Polyjuice Potion. controversy i hate how they have the same voices as the people they're impersonating yeah and maybe like okay to what lauren's point was like earlier i think in the the first time they do it in the second movie it's like okay if this is more for children it like helps it kind of keep straight who's who Mm -hmm. but by the last one like that movie like you they progressively get darker it's not just for children anymore Mm -hmm. it's like insulting the audience's intelligence (laughs) yes we know we understand what's happening especially because they have they kind of match who they're portraying Mm -hmm. like uh, red hair red hair black hair yeah yeah. and a woman (laughs) (laughs) but um so that's my only complaint because everything else how they handle Polyjuice Potion is so excellently done, and, like, each time it happens, each individual actor is amazing at it, and, like, does such a good job as acting like the other person, especially, like, Bellatrix and, I think, Crap and Goyle. I haven't seen the Ministry super recently, but I feel like they also did a good job at capturing their mannerisms and how they would be, so. What's annoying about that, too, is that, like, are we just assuming that Barty Crouch Jr. is, like, great at doing that? voice acting voice is, yeah. like, an incredible, skilled voice yeah. actor because he's mm-hmm. exactly, it's exactly the same. It's the same actor and voice. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, too. It's, like, if, if Polyjuice Potion, you change into that person, like, the vocal cords are going to change. So yes. So you have to speak in their voice. <laughs> but anyway, that's, like, anyway, that's my argument. Barty Crouch is a skilled actor. <laughs> I mean, that's that's already, like, a given. Yeah. <laughs> the most skilled actor. Method acting to the extreme. Give that man an Oscar. Okay, it's time for our sponsor story. <laughs> Sarah and I have picked one out. Okay. We uh, have had many years of hidden impressions coming out. <laughs> So, we've picked one for each character, and we're going to demonstrate. So, putting you guys on the spot, you didn't know this was happening. (laughs) Um, But Sarah's isn't, like, terribly hidden. She does a great Harry. Um, It's just my voice. Sarah's isn't terrible. (laughs) (laughs) But. But, like, Sarah has the books pretty much memorized, and as you can probably tell, has been, like, spouting off (laughs) impressive quotes. No, it's so fun. Um, But has been Harry for at least one costume party. And, and part of that is I had very, very short hair. I had a pixie cut for yes. a while. And my hair is dark brown. So it it was appropriate for me to dress up as Harry. Because <laughs> my 
hair was very hairy. <laughs> but even, like, in our recordings that we do occasionally, she's usually filling in as Harry and just excels at that role. So I don't know if you want to say anything as Harry. Ron says, Well, I dreamed I was playing Quidditch the other night, said Ron, screwing up his face in an effort to remember. What do you reckon that means? Probably that you're going to be eaten by a giant marshmallow or something, said Harry. <laughs> <laughs> Emma, of course. I think it's probably been referenced, but we were reading the fourth book and just kind of like sometimes we would have an activity per chapter and sometimes it was like let's read a little bit just for fun and suddenly we discovered that Ludo Bagman is not actually British and does not actually come <laughs> from the UK but is actually from Brooklyn you know and he's he's moved around a little bit so it's, <laughs> I'm, I'm not skilled at accents uh, so it's like a little Chicago sometimes it's a little yeah it's a little East Coast a little Boston little Boston is thrown in there yeah the other thing is, I, I don't even know if this happened with reading. I think there was just a line that you said, and we were all, like, saying it, and it was suddenly like, Hey, Nista. Or, like, whatever. So, yeah, Ludo Ludo comes out sometimes. I'm not even sure. Like, I think part of it is also that we were watching all these mob movies and, like, all this stuff. So, Ludo has a little bit of that. He's a little rough around the edges, and it doesn't really feel quite right that he would be British. Because he's a little... Street. <laughs> yeah, well, Bagman. the name Ludo also. Mm -hmm. That's yeah, like Ludo. totally a mafia name. Yeah. Absolutely. And so this is one thing I'm so glad wasn't ever in the movies because Ludo forever will be Emma's voice. <laughs> <laughs> if it is in the movies, I hope they call me up so that I can be like, Harry, I'm so glad that you were chosen for the Triwizard Tournament. Uh, I'm so happy for you. If you need any hints, <laughs> let me know. But the best thing is, uh, they're gonna have to cast some guy, but then it's just Emma's voice coming <laughs> Hey! Some polyjuice potion. Harry! Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Then, for me, uh, we were reading the second book, and I don't know where this came from, but I just developed such a love for the basilisk. And <laughs> tried to prove that he's actually, like, he, she. I don't know the, the gender is it? that the basilisk is pure in heart and doesn't actually wish anybody harm because it actually doesn't petri like kill anybody, it just is like waiting for the opportune moment when someone I mean, will be it petrified. Does kill Moaning Myrtle. Right, but I don't think you were out here when I was defending it. Um, it killed Moaning Myrtle on uh, Tom's orders and then like has been having to live with that because Moaning Myrtle is always in the pipes, and so is it. And so he's like, this is the worst! I'm not killing anybody! I feel so triggered! It's the worst day of my life! <laughs> but, um, I don't remember exactly how it came out, but anytime the Basilisk talks in the book, I, I just gave it a very specific voice of, like, I smell blood! <laughs> but, <laughs> this is the best line like, ever. <laughs> it was saying, when it's saying, like, come to me, is like, thinking of the lines that he needs to say that... Tom told him to do is like, come to me, lads. I don't know. He's just like <laughs> very specific. I smell blood. <laughs> I smell blood. Literally every time I read it now, I giggle instead of like I'm supposed to be like afraid right. and creeped out, but it's I smell blood. <laughs> I stand basilisk so much love. And then Lauren has a lot of really great impressions. You've obviously heard Dobby come out, but when we recorded our first audio. Record, like renderings of the text. Florence was Aragog <laughs> and provided several different voices in the same <laughs> reading. 
one time, well, so traditionally he was more, why have you come here? Hagrid has never sent men into the forest before. And then he suddenly goes, kill them. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, friends of Hagrid. <laughs> what voices come out when we are going hard at HPBC. You're welcome. And all accents are welcome. <laughs> you're not going to a British accent, you just do what you can do. <laughs> Alright, we are on our last category, which is the movie and books uh, did it differently, but they are both equally good. I only have one <laughs> that oh. I can think of. <laughs> the scene where Harry takes Felix Felicis um, mm-hmm. is very, very different book to movie, but... I love how Daniel Radcliffe portrays Felix Felicis Harry. I just think it's hilarious. And it's the most Daniel Radcliffe that Daniel Radcliffe is in the movies. And I always love the Harry Sir <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. I I didn't think of that one. Motley? Um, I said Gilderoy Lockhart. Mm-hmm. I mean Kenneth Branagh does a really good job of portraying it, so I think it's the same as the, the book, but, I mean, it's different enough in a way, like, you can't perfectly be exactly how we picture Gilderoy Lockhart, um, and then also, like, they cut out a lot of stuff, and then maybe add some things, but I think both versions, like, I love reading about Gilderoy Lockhart, and I love watching him in the film, mm-hmm. even though they're slightly different. I am realizing I have quite a few for this, not too many, but, like, all ones that I feel significantly about, but... This one I have already broached the topic with the group uh, because I thought it would be controversial because many have strong feelings about this. But <laughs> had to give us a warning so we didn't yes. explode on the podcast. <laughs> um, that was mostly for Sarah. Yes, it's the Dumbledore saying, Harry, did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire? In the book it says, Dumbledore said calmly. And then the movie, he's like knocking over lamps and stuff. <laughs> There's his way. He's pushing Harry against that table and things are like knocking over on the table. Um, he's like, Harry, did you put your name on the goblet of fire? <laughs> did you ask one of the oldest students to do you? Do it for you? You absolutely sure? But of course he's lying. Anyway, I, I people have feel very strongly about this on Tumblr <laughs> and everywhere else where they're like, it's so, it's so outrageous. It's so different. And I'm like, it is, it is different. But like, honestly, I think it, I think it matches the tone of what's happening. I'm. Dumbledore in the book is so much different than Dumbledore in the movie to begin with. Mm-hmm. Where Dumbledore in the book, it's often people are having a certain reaction to a situation and he's very chill and calm about it. Or, like, he's often having a completely different reaction than everyone else to something. Or, like, he might make a little joke or make a light-hearted comment about his favorite candy or something during, like, a serious time. But in the movie, they don't really do that as much. Like, he's he's much more serious, which I think is partly reflects the actor change um, after the first two films but I think fits with the movies getting darker so for this Dumbledore I feel like if he just said it calmly the audience looks to Dumbledore for so many indications of like how serious the situation is Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. in the movie because we're limited in how much they can communicate to us so I think if he'd just been like super like laissez-faire about it that it would have, I don't know, I think it would have been confusing or it would have seemed like not a big deal. But the fact that he's so, like, agitated, I think better reflects the danger of the situation for the movie. 
Yeah. No, I feel like I've been so, like, bah, so embarrassing that they did it that way. But everything you said, I'm like, yeah, no, that, that really checks out. It is totally appropriate for the movie. Thank you. <laughs> I agree. <gasps> Shock. Like, your your wow. argument is fantastic. Thank you. Wow, wow, wow. Thank you. So, yeah, Tumblr, you heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> Calm the heck down. Okay, here comes another controversial take. You all knew it was coming. The court scene is excellent in both book and movie. <laughs> and it goes along with what you're saying. Like, mm-hmm. the book is, like, story-wise, superior in every way. Where it's, like, got more of this intrigue and devastation and is much more complicated. The movie doesn't have time to do that. Like, they have to simplify everything down because it's not a movie about Barty Crouch. It's a movie about I would watch Harry. the heck out of that, oh, though. Oh, agree! I wish there <laughs> existed such a thing. I'm not saying that this is how it should always be, but... If it was a, told in a different medium, like a long series TV show or Netflix yeah. thing, like, please flush it all the way out. But for what the movie can do, I love it. And it is, like, possibly my favorite scene in all of <laughs> Harry Potter movies because <laughs> Catherine and I memorized it. And it's, like, so quotable for me. Um, and I love David Tennant. And I love, like, the wild mania that he brings to the role. <laughs> and I think Igor Karkaroff is so good and Barty Crouch, like... It's totally different than how it is in the book, but I'm 100% okay with it. And how it exists in the movie for the movie's purposes, it actually works out really well. You, like, there's so much going on. If you think about the first three books, like, they do grow in size, but they're still relatively small. Like, boom, the fourth book is so thick. There's so (laughs) much going on there. Like, we have, and I think visually and everything going on to tell a succinct, clear story in a movie, like, you have to cut some things out, so where can you simplify without completely sacrificing the main arc of the story? And I think making Barty Crouch a little bit of a simpler villain is something that I, I think works for the betterment of the movie as a whole. I think those are some very good points. Wow. <laughs> this episode I thought would be just us rage screaming at each other. <laughs> Should have known better with HP. Notice how she says she doesn't well, agree, though. Like, she, or she doesn't I don't, say she agrees. She I don't need those you. are valid. I don't need you to agree. I think they are valid arguments. I don't agree with you. But at the same time, I agree with you a little. Because you're right about it being a movie, not a book. We don't have time to go into that much detail, and there are already some things that they do in the movies that they never mention again, and there's just discontinu- discontinuity, and it's mm-hmm. annoying. I, I, do, I will say it's, it is very impactful when he throws himself out of the newspaper pile. Like yes! That. Iconic! Hello, Hello father! <laughs> but why is he there? Because it's just because they have, yeah, they don't have time to like have multiple trials, and so it's like, oh, we need to reveal Barty Crouch Jr. To that point, I do feel like there's some plot holes, or like, I'll, I will say this, I do, because they have to condense it like that, and there can't be kind of like a slow burn or build up of intensity. It does feel, it feels a little like theatrical to me. Totally, it reads a little like dramatic. Like, oh, I felt, I. Personally, have felt a little cringy at that scene. Yeah. Oh my gosh! From <laughs> time to time, Best. because it feels a little like overacted at times. Yeah. But I know it's not David Tennant because I have trust and faith in his acting. <laughs> it's more so that like it's just they have to condense the feelings that were spread over a longer time into a short time. But it's yeah. like it's like ooh, like so much. I the... love it. I revel in it. See, I, I enjoy think... watching that scene so much more now that I know that Rachel loves it so much <laughs> and hearing Rachel quote the entire scene, that makes me appreciate the oh scene a lot gosh. more, but w- if I'm watching it by myself, it just doesn't do it for me. Like, I, I 
to Lauren's point, I think um, it's not maybe not handled the best, but I'm like, you have to see David Tennant to get the reveal later. Like, if they're just talking about him when he's unpolyjuiced, then it's like, who is this guy? But you, yeah. so you, you have definitely to see, need to see him, him, but and maybe they don't do it in the best way. But I also just love like, we, I, I'm a head out. <laughs> <laughs> I was here in this corner for no reason. I'm like, that's, <laughs> that's part of the thing that bothers me about it is yeah. the fact that he's, I'm like, you didn't see where this was going? I mean, I'm I always like, just figured like he was somehow on the wisdom gama or something. Like he's part of. I know, but why is he leaving then? He's like, I think he knows Karkaroff knows him. So the fact that he's like trying to pull names out of a hat and he's like, hmm, let's just see if he gets to me. Barney just And then he's like, there's one more. And he's like, you know, this might be the time when I leave. <laughs> like, you could have you gone stayed too long. a lot longer. <laughs> I, I love it all. Like, you guys can hate it. I don't care. I love the whole thing. It's so great. <laughs> all right, next one. Books versus movies. Snape is so hateful and horrible in the books. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't translate into the movies at all. I mean, it does a little bit. Mm-hmm. But it's more just kind of as a joke. Like, Snape's not as powerful in his delivery of, like, savage comments. Mm-hmm. Um, like, when he tells Hermione that she's an insufferable know-it-all. In the movie, Ron says, she's like, he's got a point, you know? And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> no, you were all angry, because you've right. all called Hermione that at some point or another, but when it comes from Snape, it's not okay. But, that said, I think Alan, Alan Rickman did a terrific job as Snape, and that's the reason why people love Snape so much yes. is because of Alan Rickman. I was gonna say that like Snape would have no redemption arc. I feel like. absolutely yes. not. He's the worst in the books. Like he's, I he's hate terrible. him. I don't care what he's done. He is. Yeah, no, I'm anti Snape. There is the nothing that he's hate done him. that is redeemable for no. everything that he does and how they treat him. But yes, movie Snape, he is redeemable. Yes, because movie he Snape isn't is so evil. But book Snape is. Awful. Yes. Like, there's nothing about like I'm like, are you serious right now? Don't you name your child after him? Yes. Yeah. Alan Rickman single handedly saved the fandom. He, he <laughs> did. He saved Snape. Yeah, from like endless damnation. Yes. Condemnation. <laughs> Bless you, Alan. And I love what J.K. Rowling said about Snape. She said like Snape is all gray. It's not black and white. Like mm-hmm. he, he was a bully. He was mean and vindictive, but he saved the Wizarding world. Right. Like. That doesn't absolve him of all the horrible, horrible things that he did, yeah. but he still, like, he sacrificed himself and did a really excellent job of being a double agent. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of the same thing we could say for JK. <laughs> <laughs> all gray. It's like, yes. it's all gray. You're That's the worst, what... and we hate you always, uh, <laughs> but you did, you did provide something really important. You did save the world. <laughs> Uh, and we can appreciate that and not respect you at the same time. (laughs) Anything after the publication of the Tales of Beetle the Bard, we just ignore. We ignore and we besmirch your name. (laughs) That's why I said, rip J.K. Rowling, she died in 2007. (laughs) I have a scene in the fourth book, I think, um, Harry preparing for the second task. In the book, Dobby brings in a gillyweed mm. and I love it so much she says Harry will be missing his wheezy <laughs> I love it so much but in the movie they cut Dobby out completely and they add Neville in um and I while I miss Dobby and I miss that humor from Dobby 
I think it. I like how Neville gets a role, and it makes sense because Neville loves herbology and mm-hmm. he knows about these plants, and so I think it was a good. Since they didn't want to complicate the story by adding a new, another character of Dobby, which he wasn't in the whole movie, <laughs> suddenly in, introducing him, I think it was a good move to have Neville take that role. Yeah, because sometimes I feel like Neville is neglected in the movies, and for yeah. him to have such a powerful role at the end, it's like, oh, we do need him to, like, <laughs> we need to be <laughs> present. That. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. Um, I'm going to say Triwizard Tournament schools. The, the element of the fact that they're co-ed in the books and then or is Durmstrang also co-ed mm-hmm. in the books mm-hmm. i think so okay yeah it's just mostly boys got it books. and then yeah and then also the entrances those flashy entrances uh, <laughs> they're so flashy but i do like them Same. for the book especially since we can't really again we, we don't really get like the background of the schools they yeah. haven't been like being mentioned throughout the series i think they have some passing mentions in the series but i might be wrong about that um, and also, yeah, like, you don't, there's not time to really get, like, the cultural element of each school, the school's culture, not whatever countries they come from, but, um, just more like, yeah, and how Hogwarts differs, and how they have these cool songs, and they have their hoggy, hoggy, warts, whatever it is. Hoggy, Can't even bear Hogwarts. to say the words. I, I skin that every time. So, yeah. Partly that, like, those those entrances are so dramatic, so cheesy. I love them just to get an overall... If you're going to condense the vibe and the tone of a school into, what, like, 30 to 45 seconds, like, that's the way to do it. They come through <laughs> with the vibes. So, yeah. And making them um, just, like, a girl's school and a boy's school... I don't know if it really matters, but, I mean, it does make it kind of weirdly more impactful. Like, it does make it seem a little more intense and Mm -hmm. really communicates a certain atmosphere. I strong disagree. Oh! (laughs) Feel free to share some points. Um, I hate it. I think it's gimmicky and annoying and kind of sexist. Like, the women are just, ah, and floaty and have butterflies, and the men are like, huh. (laughs) and i don't know it just it really irritates me i think it's i think it's gimmicky i think it's i don't have nearly as good points as you do (laughs) it just it it irritates me to no end i it it makes me cringe every time and having gabrielle as fleur's Fleur's sister for those who don't know who gabrielle is having gabrielle as like this random gymnast who comes in at the tail end of the bobaton and just i'm like what is the point of this you just wanted to, like, say, oh, by the way, here's this little girl, and we're gonna come back to her later. <laughs> I don't know about the gymnast part, but I feel like the point of it is when else in the, like, what other time in the story do we get any information about the schools or mm-hmm. what their overall thing is? That's the time. And then also, to the sexism point, I agree. It is it is very, like, distilled and simplified. But to me, that only adds to the complexity of Hogwarts that like it does feel like there are some divisions or there might be some sexist points within Hogwarts but then you see like this intense it's an intensely like foreign vibe yeah even even if they weren't from different countries I don't even mean like language or anything like that I just mean like whoa like Like, this is intense yeah (laughs) where it's you know Hogwarts in a lot of ways seems very intense but as the series goes along you know Harry's at the um 
Ministry of Magic. He's he's seeing the outside world and seeing like, oh, so it's not just this little bubble that we live in. Mm-hmm. So to me, the the elements that are yeah, you could could be perceived are sexist. I feel like it's more so like, oh, okay, so people are taking this really seriously and like yeah. people are in like finishing school right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I I don't know if it necessarily needed to be specifically that way. How cool would that have been if it was like a Durmstrang type entrance for the all girls school? That would have still had the same impact of like, whoa. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that would be cool. Having portrayed a Bobaton student, I'd also say like, it's not super easy. Like what they do isn't just like, oh, it's like girly and like, oh, like I, I agree. Like there's sexist mm-hmm. things going on and like simplifying things isn't great. But like, still, and I guess I'm talking more about like what they do in the wizarding world of Universal and the show that they do. That I don't know. I I don't see it as like, oh, that they're super weak and they're super strong and you know like. I have a soft spot for it myself. <laughs> I think that the foreign vibe is a very good point. Just not, not like you said, not like cultural, but like the feeling. Um, it feels a lot more competitive, um, which I don't think the Triwizard Tournament would have felt as exciting as it's as it is in the movies if it hadn't been kind of these weirdly intense introductions to these schools. But, and to, again, to the sexist point, I just hate that they have that weird butt shot of all the... Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was entirely on the yeah. director. Yeah, I don't think that yeah. is... Yeah, hate that. Agree. Yeah. If I you're just... going to cut out the Vila, why do you also need... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. There's, there is a sense of otherness, I think, to them. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I I think, to, to me, maybe this is too much of a reach, and maybe it was just simplified, oh, you know, oversimplified, but I... I do think there is a sense of, like, when we view someone as other in that, in that such a dramatic way where they're just, like, mm-hmm. suddenly coming into your space, they are kind of a caricature version of who they actually are, where mm-hmm. it's, like, it is very much, like, picking up on these differences or these, like, ways that they're fitting into your stereotype or ways that they're, you know, it's an all-girls school. Mm-hmm. So it is very, like, kind of a type, more symbolic version of who they actually are rather than... Mm-hmm the essence of who the people actually are. So I do think it's kind of, in a way, that that distilled version is true of how you kind of tend to view kind of somebody who's unknown to you coming into Mm -hmm. your space. I think you both made some excellent points. Ditto. All right, my next one is actually controversial because I said the Voldemort flashbacks were well done. Would I have rather than been expanded to include more of, like, the family history and some of these other scenes. Like, absolutely, but only because I feel like they did such a good job in capturing the vibe. And in choosing which ones they had to portray, I feel like they made the right choices. Mm-hmm. I also just think the casting was so well done. Like, the really young Voldemort, when they meet so, him at the, the so orphanage. Good. So spot on. Like, I got chills just thinking about him. And then, yeah, the as you mentioned, the Slughorn one is also really, really well done. Mm-hmm. And I love the the different memory versions that you see, like the one that House Leghorn wants to remember it, and then actually seeing how it's done. Mm-hmm. The vibe, it really, like, actually gave Voldemort this background of, like, oh, he's, like, always been this very chilling person. Mm-hmm. Like, he didn't go through something, and that is, like, very disturbing as well. Yes. So. I, I agree. I think they did a really good job with the memories that they did portray. I just wish that there was a bit more depth, but the those actors, mm-hmm. the... Yeah, young Riddle at the orphanage and young Riddle at Hogwarts. Oh my gosh, they are so good and yeah. so creepy. Yeah, creepy in a way that it's not off, like entirely off-putting. Like you understand mm-hmm. why 
especially with the um, Hogwarts riddle, where it's like, oh, he is charming, and, like, there mm-hmm. is something about him that is like, oh, like... Like, you understand why people would be drawn to him yeah. as and a leader. Same with the second... I don't know how people feel about the Tom Riddle in the Chamber of Secrets, but I think he does a really good job, too. I think he does a pretty good job, too. Not as good as the ones in the sixth movie, mm. but... See, because I'm like, oh, I think the second one is hands like way more handsome than the one in the sixth one. So I'm like, I I feel like he m- matures and blossoms into <laughs> <laughs> the second year. Uh-huh. The diary. Last one, hair, treatment of Harry by the Dursleys. Mm. They are actually very different book to movie. In the books, it's a lot more, there's, again, there's a lot more detail because it's a book and not a movie. But, like, Harry had never even seen a picture of his parents until Hagrid put together that album for him. And as a, as a kid, I think, it sounds weird, but I expected orphan stories to be tragic like that, so I guess I didn't read too much into it. But as an adult, I'm like, oh my gosh! Mm. The amount of effort they put into suppressing Harry and making him feel less than is just extraordinary. But I think for the purpose of the movies... They did a really good job of making you hate the Dursleys mm-hmm. and laugh at them mm-hmm. because there are elements, those elements in the books. But um, having it not quite be as intense, I think, served the movie as well. I'm just going to mention this because apparently it's also a hot take. Oh. <laughs> the ending of the second movie. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> um, so the ending of the second book... Um, I can't even, it's just kind of like the ending of the other books where school celebrates, but in the end of the movie, Hagrid comes back from Azkaban and everyone celebrates and everyone claps for him. (laughs) And Rachel doesn't like that. I hate it so much. (laughs) I don't think I even really noticed until we watched it as a group and Rachel was like, this is the worst ending ever. Yeah. Um, but then just talking about it, like Hagrid deserves his moment in the spotlight he deserves an applause from everybody and he doesn't really get that in the books at all like he's always beloved by um Hermione and Ron and Harry and Dumbledore but no one else really appreciates him I think Mm -hmm. and so I think that was a fun touch from a big Hagrid fan (laughs) the director (laughs) unconfirmed but (laughs) (laughs) wanted Hagrid to get his applause and and also, like, he such a, he has such a tragic past where he was falsely accused and expelled and didn't finish his education because of Tom Riddle placing the blame on him. And But he is such a hero and such an MVP of the series um, that I think that's a fun thing that you can look through, look at for the whole series that this is Hagrid's spot. I love the ending, too, because... To, like, everything Lauren has said uh, nailed, hits the nail on the head. Um, Hagrid, especially in the movies, doesn't have as much of a role as he does in the books. But even in the books, I think Hagrid is very underrated. Like, of course, Harry, Ron, and Hermione love him, but the the number of times that they turn to him for advice or to comfort, like when Harry and Ron are so mad at Hermione for getting Harry's firebolt confiscated... Um, she goes and hangs out with Hagrid all the time, and Hagrid is just such a good friend and a father figure, I think, to all of them, and he just, he kind of fades into the background in the movies, and in the books, but more so in the movies, and that frustrates me, because Hagrid is incredible and so kind and so giving, despite everything that's happened in his past, 
Yeah, just, I, I love that. And it gives me chills at the end. <laughs> I'm just like, yes, I think I think approaching it in that way of, like, this is just, we're going to celebrate the great character that Hagrid is, like, I can get it. But it just doesn't make any sense for the plot of the movie. Like, when have we had this moment where Hagrid is beloved by the school? Like, everything you're saying, like, oh, only the tree love him. And I'm like, yeah. So why is the whole school applauding yeah. him? Like, what the? This doesn't make any sense. It I is, feel like yeah. they were just like, Chris Columbus is like, well, we don't want to end the movie like we ended the first one. Yeah. Any ideas? Oh, well, Hagrid comes back in. You know what? Let's just have everybody clap and we'll wrap the movie. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> it just has never made thematic sense to me. <laughs> I think it does make thematic sense to me. And the reason is, maybe it doesn't make sense for like how the school actually feels about him. But thematically, I would argue it does. Because there's not really a way to wrap up the fact that like... He had this on his record forever, and then, you know, it's like, it, it also adds to why it's meaningful that they finally figured out mm-hmm. that who Tom Riddle is and, and what was happening, because now it's like, oh, it's almost, it's to me, it's less about, like, oh, Hogwarts is supporting Hagrid. It's more like he's welcomed back into the wizarding world sure. by and, kids. And maybe if Dumbledore could have made, like, a statement of, like here is Hagrid, and he's finally been cleared of all charges that he's mm-hmm. ever had, and, like, there had been this overwhelming statement, but it's just, like... Yeah, that would have been a good addition. In my yes. mind, it's, like, only the few people that knew about Hagrid's past, which is, like, Harry, Hermione, Ron, and Dumbledore, mm-hmm. would understand that this is a great moment. But, like, does the rest of the school know? It just always was, like, hey. Yeah. <laughs> and probably the teachers know, too, but still, that does that does beg the question, why is the whole school celebrating? <laughs> they just love a reason to celebrate. Well, yeah. <laughs> oh, you're clapping. I'm a clap, too. <laughs> <laughs> to me, it was just like, he's been an outsider. And I think the the value of the kids doing it, which I, but I agree that it, like, if there had just been, like, Dumbledore a little had bit more said something, yeah. Yes. Yes. A little more like, the kids clapping to me is like, the way that kids are able to welcome people in that adults that. have previously sure. rejected. Yeah. Or like, mm-hmm. oh, he's, yeah, no, he's not, the wider wizarding world may not know anything about this, but like, these kids know. You know, the next generation. Yeah. And I think a verbal tribute from Dumbledore would have cemented, would have that. Yeah. cemented yeah. that, but also cemented why Hagrid is so loyal to Dumbledore always. Yeah, totally. Because Dumbledore believed him and gave him a place in the wizarding world, which he didn't have to do. Yeah. All right. Good arguments all around. Okay, mine is um, in the book. Well, okay, let me start the movie. In the movie, it starts with. Dumbledore and McGonagall on Pruitt Drive, and they're talking about, you know, a little bit about the events that have kind of transpired that night, and, you know, kind of bringing Harry, and then, you know, Hagrid brings Harry into the Wizarding World, or sorry, the Muggle World, out of the Wizarding World. They talk about that, which I think totally works for the movie. It works for the thematic element of him then kind of Hagrid, you know, the carrying, Hagrid carrying Harry, to his de- or away from his death when he thinks he's dead, all that kind of stuff works perfectly. I like it. I think it's a great start. The boy who lived chills intro. Mm-hmm. However, I do I do appreciate that the book first starts with the Dursleys. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and provides this context of who they are before Harry enters their life. Um, provides a little bit of context on kind of why they are the way that they are, mm-hmm. uh, their feelings and their fears surrounding the wizarding world, how they already have these pre-existing fears and feelings mm-hmm. about differences and um, being perceived as like odd or extreme in any way. Um, and then for Harry to be brought into their life and them to be kind of like thrown into this world 
completely not by their choice. Um, it, I feel like it adds additional context and also kind of shows the duality of the two worlds that Harry kind of has to straddle as he's growing up. I, I don't think that, that there's a way that that could have really worked in mm-hmm. the movies. Mm-hmm. I don't I not I don't know how they could have made that happen for it to make sense too, but I do mm-hmm. I do really love it's one thing that I always not always but often I forget that that is how it starts. And I'm always, like, pleasantly surprised. Yeah. I feel like it's a really fun way to bring the reader something familiar and normal and, like, you understand how this world yes. works. And then slowly and subtly, like... Introduce Yeah, you get, the like, terms. this whisper of, like, these a couple of people and who are they? And then, like, you're growing up with Harry and then you're yes. introduced to everything yes. else. So. Alright, my last one is not really a scene. It's more of a vague commentary. And that is that the casting is so well done. Like, mm. there are probably only a handful of characters that I'm like, nah, not well cast. Like when they recast Tom as a hunchback instead of Yeah. Left Matho who's a hero. But to, to your point about like a lot of the characters being a lot older than they should be, which I agree with and I think is a misstep. I think when the first movie came out, I don't know how explicit it was in the books that were also released at that point, how old Lily and James were or like how obvious that was. So I feel like they made casting decisions that they felt like they couldn't deviate from. Mm. So I think that is, like, where a big misstep happened, is, like, probably just not having the full text to work with at the time that they started making the movies. But at the same time, like, Alan Rickman is far too old to play Snape. Yes. David Thewlis is far too old to play Lupin. Uh, what's his name? Gary Oldman is far too old to play Sears Black. Yes. But they do an excellent job doing it at the mm-hmm. same time. Like, and I love their portrayals. And even though it's like, this is not the version that's in the books or how I maybe will picture them when I read, mm-hmm. they are like a very valid representation of the character and like very, very well done and excellent. And of course, Rafe. It's like, I've got this whole podcast, but I haven't mentioned Rafe yet. <laughs> I do think it would have been awkward with the Lillian James thing as Harry, not when he was 11, but when as he gets older and is seeing portrayals of Lillian James if they were like 19 <laughs> or 20 when he's like now 18. you know yeah, yeah also like 17 16 who's like okay we're just a few years apart yeah. <laughs> like I, that might have gotten confusing for people who aren't really like paying attention mm-hmm. to stuff but yeah they needed to be obviously his parents yeah yeah which is annoying but right so I and that's the thing I always come back to with the Harry Potter films like no matter what missteps or different things they do like the casting is just bravo like yes. maybe not Dumbledore I feel like Dumbledore in both accounts is like a little off the mark for me personally I know mm-hmm. people love Richard Harris and I think I love Richard Harris there are elements of actually both Dumbledores that I really like but like McGonagall will always be Maggie Smith, Smith. Mm-hmm. and like Mad-Eye Moody Mad-Eye Moody is not yes. Gildor Lockhart like is that. Kenneth Branagh like there's so many excellent casting choices that and, like, Lucius Malfoy as mm-hmm. J- Jason Isaacs. Like, they they bring this and... <laughs> Lucius Malfoy plays Jason, Jason Isaacs. <laughs> <laughs> you, said, you said Lucius Malfoy as Jason Isaacs. As Jason Isaacs. Isaac. <laughs> Plot twist! <laughs> and, like, Tom Felton Meta. as Draco. I think he does such a good yeah. job from the very get-go. Whereas maybe Harry or Ron like and Hermione like have a little bit more to figure, to out. figure yeah. out. And probably yeah. part of that is, like, the amount of screen time. Like, if Tom had had more screen time as a young child, maybe we'd be like, oh, here's this little mm-hmm. blunder. So Well, and Tom Felton was a little bit older, I think. Right. He had more experience. Yeah. yeah. So I, I just think across the board, like, really good casting. And I'm just, I'm so confused with Bonnie as Ginny. 
Like, here's maybe one. Where I'm like, was it the director? Was it her? Like, what happened here? <laughs> I think it had to be a mix of both. Right. Well, and what you were saying earlier about committing to casting decisions, Ginny, mm-hmm. at the time that the first movie was made, we did not know. I mean, she has a big part in the second book, but we did not know that that was going to carry through right. the books and that she yeah. was going to be such a significant character in Harry's life. Yeah. So I think that maybe she was cast when she was young because she was an adorable little redhead. Oh, right. she was so timid. Cute. And she was timid. Yeah. She fit she's the role so perfectly. Yeah, like in the first two movies, she's, she's like really, really excellent. solid. Yeah. yeah, but then as she got older, I think they just didn't know what to do with her, which yeah. is sad. Yeah, so... Not perfect across the board, but I think really carries the films in ways that maybe the writing or other things couldn't. Well, this was fun, and not too <laughs> violent or... But <laughs> <laughs> still civilized. We only had some extreme opinions come out. Yes. But all in all, HPBC remains steady. <laughs> and you just quoted movie Dumbledore. That oh. was fun. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. HPBC forever. We'll have to wait till our next episode to hear more wonderful spewings. S-P-E-W. I saw your eyebrows raise at that, Emma. <laughs> you get the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Harry. Oh, Harry. <laughs> Harry. <laughs> Yeah, Zero? we'll do. We'll just go like we did before in the round, which is slur. <laughs> Slayer. I would slur. rather slur. <laughs> Behind the scenes. My goodness, what was wrong with my voice? <laughs> Behind the scenes. <laughs> Crouch Junior. Junior. See? Junior. Iconic. Can't use that and not just appreciate the level that Igor Karkaroff went to for us. On British Rock. Flexed her toes. My toe was underneath the blanket. What? My underneath toe. So she was like flexing her toe and it was like getting my foot like this. No, I was I'm like, just. Oh. Yeah, and my toe's right here. <laughs> so suddenly Emma just looks at me and goes, and moves her foot, and I was like, oh. She's like, I'm here. Okay. <laughs> Unintentional footsies. <laughs> and we're still, still sitting here with our feet together. Yeah, nobody's moved. So anyway. Why did they burn down the burrow? <laughs>